Thank you for tuning into the Monocle Dynasty Podcast, where we keep an eye on Dynasty football. Your hosts dive deep on players, rankings, strategies, and much more. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Monocle Dynasty. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to the Contender Connection live stream in the Monocle Dynasty Podcast. Uh, we have a very special guest today, but first I want to bring in Tim, I want to talk to you. Uh, I know we did the recap yesterday, but this is technically your your first official time being the co-host. Uh, you know, we've talked to Tim quite a bit. He was one of the first guests, or maybe even the first guest on the pod. I don't really remember at this point, but uh, but he's been around, and uh, we're very happy to have him as the new co-host, taking filling some big shoes with uh, you know Crescent shoes. Actually, I don't know what size shoe he actually wears. We'll have to ask him that. <laughs> How you doing, Timmy? I can't complain. It's uh, kind of cool to be a co-host on a, a pod. We have a guest now, so yep. I kind of get to fulfill my my role and see how we go with this. So I wish uh, we had a better day from Lockett yesterday, but you know, you know, you can't always get what you want, and you know, he'll put up thirty nine point weeks, and then other weeks he'll not do as well. So. Yeah, I, I was listening back to the podcast from yesterday, and we were talking about how we needed a big, big day from Tyler Lockett, and then that did not work out. <laughs> but um, more importantly, we have a very special guest tonight, and it honestly, I'd like to welcome on probably the only guy that can compete with Scott Fish for the nicest guy on Twitter. Um, <laughs> I. <laughs> yeah, I'd lo- love to bring on Mike Fiella. Hopefully I said that right. I always want to say your name a little differently for whatever reason. And then I like <laughs> second guess myself. And it's so stupid because I mean, it's, it doesn't even look like it's that difficult of a name. But yet, I always want to screw it up. How are you doing, Mike? I'm doing great, man. I'm excited to be here. I love you guys' show. You know that. So I was stoked. Um, I appreciate you not mentioning that uh, I'm a week late for showing up. So uh, I was proud of myself for being on time a week later. Uh, so I apologize for the schedule mix up, but I'm really stoked to be here and uh, chop it up to you guys tonight. <laughs> Bob's already throwing in some haymakers. Uh, <laughs> he knows how it is. Oh, no but, doubt. Uh, yeah, Mike doesn't count as a guest. He makes himself at home. But you know what? We we've already had him on the uh, on the happy hour on Friday, and you know that was a lot of fun. So you know, it, it's even though it's a first time guest, it's it's kind of like he's already a friend of the show, and you know. <laughs> <laughs> And, and I know you would, you know, you had thrown it out there like you wanted to, your followers to bring the heat tonight. So hopefully we'll get some good chatter and and get some uh, some good comments like Bob brought in there. Yeah, but, not Bob. Bob's Bob's a pain in the ass to be quite honest, and he knows <laughs> it. Like he has never said a nice thing in the chat once. He just busts my balls for an hour straight. I don't know where he gets the energy, but at least he's here, right? So the numbers count. Hey, that's just a good friend, right? Exactly, Massachusetts <laughs> boys. We always rip on each other. Yep. Yep. I, uh, all right. Well, I mean, I guess while we're waiting for some of these comments to roll in, cause I know as the drinks roll in, you know, the, the comments will flow, <laughs> but, uh, I wanted to ask you, like I said, you're, you're basically the, the nicest guy on Twitter, or at least, you know, in the, in the competition from what I've seen. And, uh, you know, I, I really do appreciate all the love you've shown us and all the support and everything. But, uh, you know, one of the big things that you do is the, the Sunday hour retweet and, um, or Sunday, retweet hour i should say and you know or maybe it's even multiple hours but two hours. Yep. yeah two hours how did that come about like did you just decide one day you wanted to show some love or was there something in particular that started that off 
so it's interesting, right? Um, I didn't know what the hell I was doing on Twitter uh, when I got here. Uh, I had like, I don't know, 80 followers in June. Um, so this whole thing kind of took off. And when I got here, I, I was kind of looking at people that I wanted to be like. And there are so many different personalities and so many different ways to go about it, right? Like I could have been a dick and just write wrong on everybody's posts. Some people seem to think that's an option, I guess. Um, <laughs> but there was uh, two people I looked at. There was uh, my man, uh, Matt McCarthy, methodical. Uh, he's not really as involved in fantasy Twitter as he was at the beginning of the year, but he was always doing like retweets. Um, and then there was Sal Pal. Uh, and, and Sal is always asking people to drop their content and it was it would kind of pop up right like they would do it when they were sitting in front of a computer and when i saw it i always saw like you know i met new people i i saw a bunch of posts and and there was always that feeling right like i remember when sal retweeted one of the dumbest things i i had like if you guys remember draft day um where kevin costner carried the little post-it note um that said vontae mac no matter what Yep. Um, well, I had sent something to Sal that said I'd written a draft um, kit and I, I wanted you know people to read it. And it was just a, an edit that I did that said, not Aaron Rodgers, no matter what. I said, and I bring this to every fucking fantasy draft because I hate that guy ever since 2014. We can tell that story <laughs> later. Um, but he retweeted it out. And, and this is an account retweeting out something of mine uh, when I, I don't know anybody, I'm not even here. I'm just messing around with Photoshop for like five minutes. Um, you know, I was talking to Scott Fish. Uh, you mentioned him earlier, by far the nicest guy on Twitter. Sal's right there as well. Um, you know, and I just decided I wanted to be like them. But I just thought it might it might work a little better if it was a set time. And I figured what better time than when everybody is on Twitter trying to figure shit out. Like they're all looking for inactives. They're all looking for things. So rather than having to be like kind of an empty gesture, I'm like, why don't I take the one time that I could make myself famous and give it to everybody else? And that's kind of how it came about. Um, you know, it started when I had, I don't know, you know, 400 followers, but I had some nice friends that were helping me out. And I figure between the people that follow me and I have some great ones, you know, you mentioned Scott and Sal uh, are, are on the list. Um, I have Troy King who who's, you know, followed by Matthew Berry, right? Uh, Another Photoshop so, King. Oh, yeah, the Photoshop King. Um, <laughs> but I figure like, how else can we get people who you might not know in front of those types of names. And, and that's really where it came about. Not to mention, to be quite honest, it gives me two hours with my family where I'm not actually trying to create content um, before the game start. Right. So it, it all just kind of fell into place and uh, man, it, it's gotten busy, which is wild. Like I started with maybe three uh, and now I think I'm doing like 25, 30, maybe 40 retweets, probably getting muted left and right. But fuck it. I mean, you know, that's that's what we're here for. So honestly, if it puts a smile on someone's face, if it gets people connected, uh, that's really all I care about. It's just we all come together and, you know, make friends. So that was really the overall goal. And, and I just thought that was the best way to get there. Yeah, that's awesome. I I remember the when when you did the Matthew Berry retweet. I for whatever reason, I guess I'm a, a glutton for punishment, but I did not mute it, and uh, <laughs> I, I kept just. I wanted to see. Uh, I just wanted to see what happened, and uh, you know, like how how far it went. And uh, let me let me just tell you, it went pretty far. 
Yeah, I, I believe it was somewhere in the neighborhood. Someone told me of like 765 notifications that that caused because, and, and I'll tell you what, like I, I, I tried my best on that. And if you ever want to know kind of how my brain works, I didn't sleep that night. And it wasn't because my phone was going off. It was because I was literally looking at it, trying to figure out who I missed because I never want anybody waking up feeling like I don't care about them or like how the hell did he name all of Twitter and not me? Like you, <laughs> right. you guys, you guys know it's not a pick list. I would literally just pick everybody. Um, yeah. I have to type out the names out of my head, which ain't, there's not much up there as you know. Um, so like I woke up again at four in the morning and I started that shit up again because like I, I remembered people I forgot and I'm like, oh shit. So it's like 4 a.m. I'm tweeting at Matthew Barry. I, I'm surprised he hasn't blocked me yet. So so if you're watching, Matthew, I'm sure you are. Uh, thank you for that. Um, but yeah, that was uh, that was a wild day on Twitter. That's for sure. I feel like Tim's taking this whole like new co-host spot a uh, little to the to his head because you know, do you notice how he's above us? You know, like you notice how, <laughs> we, we we need to stand up a little bit. I'm, I'm looking over and it's like he's trying to he's trying to, you know, tower over us over there. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, Timmy, you're being awfully quiet over there. Let's let's get you going. Maybe you need to crack open a beer. Well, I'm just need? listening. I think it's I think it's interesting to hear um just how he processes uh, what his focus is going to be on those days with the, with the follow backs and things of that nature. So I'm just kind of hearing what he's got to say about it. Cause it might be something that we might have to copy a little bit. So Man, yes, seriously absolutely. guys jump in, honestly, like, you know, you want to retweet stuff that I'm retweeting. You want to jump in, you want me to tag you in them, uh, anything to get things moving, to bring people together. I mean, you know, you know, John, if, if I see, if I click on your page and I see you're at like 790, expect a tweet saying my dude needs nine, 800. Let's get this shit done by halftime. Um, you know, anything to me that brings people together. Uh, I was on, I was on a show last week and they kind of asked me like what the goal is. And I've told everybody, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna make it big. I, I have, I have a trash mouth. I mean, I say shit that should never be said out loud. Uh, <laughs> so I'm not expecting to be mainstream and that's cool. Um, but man, if I could get the next Matthew Berry, his or her four or 500th follower, like how dope would that be? Right? Like just yeah. be like, yo, I, I, I remember when, you know, you were asking me for help and, and stuff like that. Like, I think so many people are looking to get those 10,000, you know, 20,000 follower people to notice them. Like that's what a lot of people are doing on Twitter. And what's funny to me is that I, I learned uh, just from doing business that the, the community that no one's hitting is opportunity, right? It's, it's an opportunity to build a base. It's an opportunity to grow. And there's, so many more people that don't have 10,000 followers and that will, um, those people are just as good, if not better as the big accounts. They're hungrier. Sometimes they're, they're doing more deep analysis. And I get so much from just communicating with everybody more so than I ever did when I first started. And I was just following the greats, right? Eisenberg, um, Barry, uh, you know, Dave Richard, like, I didn't know any better. And now that I've been introduced to this, this group of people, like I've learned so much and I've gotten so much from them, like that, you know, just 
hearing the way people feel like learning from people like i get dms from people saying like i'm anxious can you tell me like how i'm coming off because i feel like you're an honest dude like that's awesome for me because I, I, I this isn't my life this isn't what i do for a living it, it's what i do for fun so i'd much rather like you know a thousand smiles than one like from you know a matthew barry for example not that that wouldn't be cool uh but <laughs> i figure we got like three thousand four thousand of us all coming up together taking the shit by storm i'm just happy to be a part of it yeah that's an awesome way to look at it and you know like you said there's so many in fact i, I want to point out that you know nubs just became the co-host obviously i've said it like five times at this point but uh because of that he doesn't exactly have that following and i know you know you're all about you know getting the followers uh, we got to get nubs. He's, you know, he, he wasn't really all about the limelight when, uh, you know, when I first got on here to the monocle and everything, he even kind of said like, he, he's not doing it for the followers and that kind of thing. He just wanted to be a part of Twitter and, and just, you know, kind of like what you're talking about, just like meet new people. He wasn't doing it for followers per se, but to meet the right people. But, uh, we, we got to get him, we got to get him some follows for sure. I like, I like the conversation. I like talking football. So those that yeah. want to do that, that's what I'm interested in doing. So it was never about like, you know, becoming famous or anything like that. It's just about having the conversations basically on a consistent basis. So, All right. Well, here, here's what we're going to do, Nubs, because um, <laughs> I'm already I'm already seeing in the chat, uh, Troy and Jay, I see yep. that you are in the chat. Um, you, you can hear me and you know what I'm looking for. Um, Jay, you are the king at putting together the tweet. Do me a favor. Send out a nubs one. And what I want to see is I want to see us take on a challenge. It is Tuesday night. This, this week does not end till the following Tuesday. We have a whole fucking week. Uh, so <laughs> nubs, I'm seeing you right now at 208 followers. Guys, it's a big number. It's a big number. 600 by the time this week is up, I want to I see like 600. It. I want tweets. I want retweets. I want everything we can do. So I want a fucking hashtag Jay nubs to 600 by Tuesday. We can do this. <laughs> oh, man. Let's retweet the shit out of it. Like I love this it. is interesting. I like it. <laughs> I love it. Let's do it. Let's do it. I, I think I think we can do this. I, I think we we we've get we've got at least fucking 300 people to milestones in the past six weeks. Those 300 alone should be able to get on that to 500. Then we'll get the extra 100. Call Barry, call Eisenberg, all of our friends, all the people in our league and, and the DM groups, whatever we have to. Uh, nubs to 600 by Tuesday, I think, is a guarantee. We'll have it done by the end of week 13. I'm going to sure keep my, my phone plugged in so I can charge it. Yeah, and get ready for <laughs> all of the notifications. Once you get on one of these trains, Nubs, John will tell you it's, a, it's obnoxious as hell, but we have fun with it. You know what? I've actually never been, you know, bothered by or anything. I, I love it. I just I love all the love everyone's giving you know each other, and and I, uh, yeah, definitely. G men's he's saying it. Jay's uh, saying we got it. Easy peasy. Oh shit! And, and Linda's on it too. And Linda's famous, yep. like famous, famous, right? Like oh, you yeah. get me, Jay, and Troy together in like a Voltron. We're still not Linda. Um, so if she's <laughs> on it, this is fucking gold. Just kidding, oh, Troy. Yeah. You're the best. Absolutely. Me and Jay are small time. Well, I'm just happy. I'm just happy Linda made it past last Saturday. So we we <laughs> kept her alive, and that's good. That's good to hear. Oh, uh, and Sunday, oh. Sunday wasn't the greatest either. <laughs> Sorry, Linda. Oh man. Uh, but you know, it wasn't your fault. 
No. Um, <laughs> Levi's loving the discussion. Uh, you know, a little inside baseball. Definitely. We love you, Levi. Uh, I was definitely, I was one of their first guests on, on their pod and that was a lot of fun. Uh, I love listening to their, uh, to their, uh, fastest two minutes in sports every, uh, every week. They kind of do the whole like Chris Berman thing. If you've never listened to it, it's pretty awesome. Nice. I'll check it out. Yeah, definitely. All right. So we got, so now Nubs is going to be more famous than me, and uh, <laughs> which isn't saying much, <laughs> not saying much at all. And John, uh, John, I might have a new co-host by the time we have a next pod. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, and uh, next thing you know, next Tuesday he'll have like you know 10k followers, and Linda will be the new co-host. <laughs> It'll be the Nubs and Linda show. <laughs> yeah. uh, we just won't record on Sundays, so. No, yeah, yeah. to recuperate and do after OK State games, good or bad. <laughs> All right, so we haven't actually talked about any football, which is perfectly fine and, and kind of like half expected it. But let's talk a little bit of football before it gets too crazy. Sure. Um, you know, you were saying before, you know, obviously you do you kind of do the, the matchups and, you know, the uh, you know, like the best players for this week and everything, but a, a season long kind of deal. Has there been anyone in particular that was like the biggest miss or the biggest hit for you? Uh, like maybe you were, you know, really talking about early in the season. Oh man. All right. So um, let, let's start with the misses because those are obviously more fun. Um, so two things happened in the Scott fishbowl that literally changed everything. Um, number one was I was at 105 and I took Ezekiel a little bit, Alvin Kamara, uh, that cost me my playoff spot. But if that wasn't good enough, I decided to go Tyrod Taylor over Justin Herbert, um, in the 10th round when picking my quarterback. Uh, so granted I got hit with the injury bug, but those two were brutal. Um, absolute, you know, just complete, complete misses, um, those are really the big two. Like I did not, and I love Herbert now. I didn't expect him to be anything in year one. I wasn't even sure he was going to be anything, period. And I was a big Tarod guy, I guess, if I pronounce it properly. Um, I was a big proponent of him coming up, and I thought he was going to be the guy that made Keenan Allen something, Austin Eckler. Like I thought that was going to be a smash. Um, and then, of course, there is always, and, and I like to bring it up like when you shit talk people, um, I was dancing on graves because my league let me get Jordan Howard in the ninth round. Like I was telling them how bad I was going <laughs> to eat their lunch that season, like the whole season. Like you guys have no idea how bad you fucked up the ninth round. This dude should have went in the sixth. Like the amount of stuff flying out of my mouth over Jordan Howard uh, was borderline embarrassing at, at best. Um, and I started that bastard five weeks in a row, I think, uh, until I finally got straight. So, um, those Wait, he scored, he scored a touchdown like five weeks in a row too. That was it. But <laughs> he did. Yeah. Oh, he had two carries for two yards and two touchdowns, I think in the yeah. first two games. Um, but yeah, those were the big misses. Um, if we want to talk hits, uh, Linda had a post where she said, plant your flag. Uh, you know, the biggest flag that I planted was that DeAndre Swift would be a first round dynasty startup pick next year um people told me that no way it's going to happen it's detroit it's patricia i said no this is this is your guy um so i made that call uh joe mixon outside the top 15 but i i think my favorite call was i pulled up a tweet from uh november of 2019 and you always like to go against the grain when someone says you know well we're doing a startup 
in 2021 who's going to be the first quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end picked. And and I didn't want to go Pat Mahomes, Chris. Like, there's no fun in that, right? Um, right. So the ones I pulled out of my ass were Josh Allen, um, who's getting, you know, certainly up there in the top five. He wasn't even being talked about in the top ten at that point. Jonathan Taylor, who was still in Wisconsin at the time, I call as the running back. I think he'll be top five next year. Uh, Amari Cooper, probably the biggest miss. And then TJ Hawkinson, a guy I've been literally pounding the drum on. He is now, in my opinion, the dynasty two. Um, Kelsey's still one in, in the biggest positional matchup you, you can get in fantasy football, but those were really the big hits for me. And then Joe Mixon and Mike Gusecki hate. Um, you see me tweeting about it constantly. If you follow me, the Mike Gusecki <laughs> truthers are my favorite. Um, hating on those two guys, and those came out true as well. With Mixon, is it is it? Do you think it's a talent thing, or do you think no. it's just the team in general, or you know, the philosophy of the coaches, or? So when you look at what happened with Cincinnati, the people that were talking about Mixon being in the top 10, I think missed on two big things. Number one, they didn't address the offensive line. And number two, uh, you have a rookie quarterback, and you're going to see a stacked box until he can prove that he can make the throws. Now, what happened was he was making the throws. T. Higgins progressed far faster than I think any of us could have predicted. Uh, so that was going to start loosening up for him, but it was still the offensive line. I mean, his elusiveness was there. His ability to break tackles is there. He's a talented, talented kid in a bad situation. He is a buy for 2021, in my opinion, because if you look at that offense, they don't really have much else to invest in other than offensive line going forward. They have a quarterback on a rookie contract. They're not overly cash-strapped. you got A.J. Green coming off the books, which is going to be dollar for dollar for Joe Mixon. So realistically, of anybody, they have the draft capital, and they have the cap space to be able to fix that offensive line. If they do watch out, this will be a rocket ship offense next year. Yeah, I agree. I, I've always loved Mixon's talent, and I almost feel like they're kind of squandering it away, you know, unfortunately. But luckily, he is young enough that, it, you know, he still has time. It's not like it's not like he's 28 or 29 or something like that. Uh, but, yeah, they just they need to get that all figured out <laughs> for sure. Oh, and I hope they will. I, I think they're heading in the right direction. Um, I do think you're going to see Burrow start on the pop list. He certainly would for me because they're not yeah. going to be competitive next year either. They're, they're just not there yet, but they should literally just be focusing offensive line, offensive line, offensive line. If they address anything else in the offseason financially, I will lose my mind and I will be literally out on all Bengals except T. Higgins um, for a while now. I just think that it, it's too obvious. I think Uzma is good enough at the tight end samples, not, but I think when Uzma comes back healthy, I think he's good enough at tight end. You got Boyd, you have Higgins, and then you have Mixon. What else are you going to spend your money on? Yeah, definitely. I, you know, you're talking about Scott Fishbowl. Uh, just about everyone and their mother has seen the the video that you made for, uh, you know, for the pod father. <laughs> and, uh, you know, what, what brought that about? You know, obviously I watched the video. I loved it, but I, you know, I don't know if that was just because I, I know he, you know, he, he obviously did it on his pod, uh, you know, like that talking bad about your division, I believe it was, but, uh, you mm -hmm. know, I didn't know if you were just doing it just to get back at him or, or something else brought it on. I, I'm, I'm surprised he saw it, uh, to be a hundred percent honest. <laughs> Um, yeah. So what happened was uh, I, I end up in the division with uh, with Matt Kelly, the podfather. No clue who he was. Um, the only person I knew in my division was uh, Matt Renshaw. He and I had done a super flex um, league. I want to say 
maybe two or three years prior. So I had known him. We had been talking on Twitter before. He was one of those 80 followers I had when this whole thing started. So I draft next to Podfather, and I think the draft's going pretty damn well. I'm feeling good about my team. You know, I start out Zeke, Kyler Murray, uh, and Austin Eckler, and I'm feeling great. I didn't know Eckler was going to get hurt, of course, but I'm feeling pretty good about life. And then this video comes out. A, a during the draft victory lap. And I, I'd never seen that before in, in my entire existence that he was claiming a championship before the draft was over. And I'm like, okay, excuse me. And then everybody is pissed and I'm, I'm killing myself laughing for two reasons. Number one, I love shit talk. Like I love it. I think it makes the world fun. Number two, I, I looked this guy up and I am in tears because I know I'm, I'm sitting down and whatever. I'm six feet two twenty five, and, and I I don't get too much shit talk thrown my way like in in, in life. So it was kind of awesome to hear it, like to basically be called a pussy by like this five foot five dude. Um, so I'm like I'm crying, crying, laughing, and I see I have him on the schedule week one, uh, and and I take him down. Obviously, the video wouldn't have happened if I didn't. It would have been awkward, but I made the video and I sent it to the like ten guys in my league thinking I'm going to get like those 10 to like it. Like, oh, guys, isn't this hilarious? Like in our little group of nerds off in the corner, we're all going to laugh about it and think I'm a badass and that's going to be it. And then like this first retweet happens. Uh, it was actually Mitch from uh, the uh, FF Confidential. Mitch sends out a retweet. He was the first one. And I'm like, didn't know even who Mitch was. I'm like, what the hell just happened? And all of a sudden my phone is going off the hook like seventeen thousand views in two days i don't know how many retweets um jj zacharyston is like hitting me up on twitter i'm like what the just happened and magically i have like these 1200 followers and i'm sitting there like one of these you know teenagers that goes big on on instagram or something and like i'm like i don't have a soundcloud like i don't know what the fuck to do with my hands like i don't know what to do next i don't know what to promote i have no idea (laughs) i had nothing i'm like i don't have a charity i got nothing for you so i literally put down my phone for two days and went hiking um and had no clue what to do like i was talking to troy about it like we were i was just like dude i don't know what's happening and then all of a sudden like people like hey you want to cut a few different websites you want to come write for us i'm like i I don't i don't write man (laughs) um but i'm like we can give it a go like i'm getting called on to podcasts Uh, gman j who's in the chat is like hey we're launching a new podcast can you come on i'm like i i guess uh but i literally made the video not expecting him to ever see it, not expecting anybody to ever see it. Like I thought it was just 10 likes. Like it was legit. I I could have, if I knew the guy's numbers, I could have texted it to them, but I don't know these guys other than like on Twitter. So that's the only reason I ended up on Twitter and never expected to take off. Like this was nothing I ever looked for. I ever thought of (laughs) and literally just woke up and people were like, Dude, my DM group is talking about this. I'm like, talking about what, guys? I was like half hung over making a fucking video. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, but yeah, it was it was wild, and things just kind of went from there, I guess. Yeah, that's awesome. And now I just looked, you're you're over twenty one thousand views on it, so oh, you know, it definitely went viral. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that shouldn't happen, but I guess I dig it. So, have you guys have you guys, are you guys gonna match up again this year, or, or has there been? I'm not sure exactly. I'm not in the fishbowl. So I'm not yeah. sure how the scheduling works. So Are he beat me see this, each other again. Oh, he beat me this week. 
Um, yeah, so he he took me down this week. I've been out anyway. Uh, so I had Jimmy Garoppolo, Zeke Elliott, Austin mm-hmm. Eckler, Kenny Galladay, Austin Hooper, Julian Edelman, Jamison Crowder, like my Brandon Ayuk. My injury report was longer than my starting lineup at, at times. Like it, I've been trying to literally band aid this shit together, and it, and it caught up with me. Uh, but I think both of us honestly had a terrible year. Mine because of injury, his because of uh, you know shitty process. But um, <laughs> you know, e- either way, we're both out. So I guess what's the difference, right? Yeah, it definitely sounds like you had some bad luck in the injury column. Uh, Jay says he's got it up. Yeah. Uh, so. Actually, you know, I didn't mean for it to sound like that, but Jay's saying that he has the <laughs> nubs to 600 up. <laughs> I guess I have that, uh, that effect on people. I'm sorry, guys. I didn't know it that until, until today. <laughs> We're not just going 0 to 100. We're going to 0 to 600. <laughs> I like it. Right up, Jay. Nice job, buddy. I will be. Yeah, that's awesome, Jay. That Appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. So now, obviously, we know, you know, you've taken down the pod father, you know, you, you've done all that. Uh, so obviously, you're the man to tell us who would be some like league winners, you know, going into the playoffs, uh, you know, the, the the names that maybe I know you, you guys always do the, you know, the not top 20, you know, kind of guys and that kind of stuff. Like, who are going to be those surprise guys that might be the league winners that maybe you already have on your, you know, that you're on your squad, or maybe they're still in the waivers or something? Yeah, so if you're looking at redraft right now, uh, the places that I'm looking, and let me just pull up the schedule here. Um, you know, the one guy that I think, if he's still kicking around, I want Cam Akers on my bench as much as I can get. Uh, he is looking like he's going to take over. I, I think that it's about time they give him the ball. Um, so I'm all about getting those guys on the bench. I know the trade deadline passed. But I've been looking at the Chargers and the Rams passing game. Getting any piece of that that you can get, they have a cakewalk schedule. Um, the big thing is, though, I think this year it's going to be the studs that are going to carry the teams to championships. The two in particular are going to be Derrick Henry and Aaron Jones. The problem is when you have that level of firepower playing that pathetic of defenses, it's going to be tough to beat. So. If you run into those guys, you're going to get yourself into trouble. So let me think. Let me give you some deep dives for the playoffs that maybe people aren't necessarily looking at. Maybe we're seeing people from, you know, deep on on the bench. Man, let me think here. Uh, While you think, I'm going to bring one up. Yep. I, I think Brady's got a great schedule. Besides the bye week, he goes against Minnesota, Detroit, and I believe one of the NFC East teams. I'm forgetting right now. Let me see here. Who do the Bucks have? Is it the Giants? The Falcons. Oh, the Falcons. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a I love that matchup. No, that's that's a great call. So if you can uh, find a week 13 uh by week fill in, I think Brady's your guy for the rest of the year. Absolutely. And let's look at let's look at championship week. Let's give the guys who are gonna put you over the top. Um I'll tell you what. Hey, you want to go You're muted, uh, John. I just realized I'm muted. I was saying no, Brady. Brady uh, really scares the crap out of me. Even though that that schedule is is beautiful, but man, he has just looked like garbage. Now that being said, I just traded for Brady in a league, so I, I uh, like I, I just I'm on. I hate watching him play football, but I love the the points that come in, you know, in fantasy, and so that's all that really matters, I guess. All right, so here we go. You want a really deep one for your championship game? 
Yeah. I'll give you a really deep one for your championship game. Isaiah Coulter has the Bengals. Oh, that's Tim's boy. <laughs> give me some Isaiah Coulter. Give me the new Will Fuller. Um, Randall Cobb's foot injury. I'm not sure he's coming back. Brandon Cooks, by the way, in case no one's mentioned, is a fucking wide receiver one. I don't know why people don't give that man his due. But Brandon Cooks is back in wide receiver one territory. Um, Isaiah Coulter and Jordan Aikens are the two guys that if you think, you know, let's just say you have a bye week, right, and you only have to get by that first week. Uh, those are two guys I absolutely want on the end of my bench, people that I think could be – you know, big time upside plays. I'm not ready to start them yet. And I don't love the matchup that they have in week 15 because they are going against the Colts. But week 16, if you're looking for someone to slide in, those are two deep names, Akins and Coulter, that I think I'd want to play because they have a nice matchup. And I think, honestly, the targets are going to be there. Um, even Cahill Warren. If you're really in those deep, like 30 to 40 man <laughs> benches, um, I mean, that's an athlete at the very least. But I think those are really the guys that I would say are your deep, deep ads. Um, the other guy, honestly, we just saw him break out. I've been banging the drum forever. Antonio Gibson's going to win people leagues. Um, that's just what he's going to do. He's going to win people leagues. He has an absolute cakewalk schedule, 15 and 16. Uh, so if you have Gibson, feel real happy about how life is going to be treating you because you're talking about you have the Panthers in week 15 uh, and then, excuse me, week 16, you have the Panthers. So you have your championship run there. And then in week 15, he has another cakewalk against the Seahawks um, who are most susceptible to running backs catching the ball. Um, so McKissick's another guy. I saw him dropped a lot in – um, sleeper, he was in the trending down. McKissick's a guy you want to get your hands on, but Gibson's catching the ball a hell of a lot more. Don't forget, he's a friggin' wide receiver. He has been a wide receiver his whole life. He's learning how to play running back. So those two are going to catch some passes in the last two weeks as well. Yeah, I really like that. We were talking. What about, about you guys? You have any? Yeah, we were talking about both of them last night mm -hmm. on the on the recap show. You know, just uh, I, I have a feeling that they'll both be viable, honestly. And you know, maybe it's going to take away some of that uh, that ceiling with. Um, with Gibson, like maybe it's not going to be 35 points, you know, or, or whatever, but you know, they, they, maybe they'll both give you 15 points and then, you know, then you're feeling good. Absolutely. No, I, I love both of them. I think they both play really well together. One of the things about, and, and hat tip to my co-host, Chase Vernon, Dallas is really good against pass catching running backs. It's where they excel. So running backs beat you on the ground against Dallas. That's not yeah. McKissick's game. But if you look back to the weeks before, I mean, he was averaging, what, nine targets? I think he had nine targets in the first half of the game before. Yep. And people are dropping him because they're fickle. People are panicking right now. They feel like everything is doomsday. So if he's sitting out there, grab him. I mean, he's a starter come, come playoff time. Yeah, now Tim's our, our film guy. And so you, you mentioned his, his boy, Coulter. Oh, but what is it about Coulter that, that you're loving? Because, I mean, obviously, like, I don't think a lot of people really know all about him unless you're in those deep leagues. And especially if, it, if we're talking about redraft, I would even say, like, most people probably don't even know who he is. So, so the thing about Isaiah Coulter, right, is that there's a few things about him that, that I like. And obviously, I'm not – I wouldn't say I'm a huge fan of Coulter. Like, I like Coulter. I know there's people like Tim out there that absolutely love Coulter. I am looking for opportunity, number one, and now he has it, right? 
I'm looking for size. And you're talking a 6'2", 200-pound. Uh, you know, he got some speed to him, has some giddy-up, 4'4", four, 5", four, if I'm not mistaken. He, he burned out at the combine. And also, when you look at his draft capital, a fifth rounder out of Rhode Island, nobody's looking at Rhode Island. I went to school down there. Nobody gives a shit what's <laughs> happening down there. So realistically, that still feels like third round draft capital to me when you're talking about a small school guy. So this is somebody that they believed in. You don't normally take a guy in the fifth round from a small school unless you feel like you have to have him. He fits that Will Fuller mode mold. And Will Fuller was wide receiver seven before his unfortunate, you know, PEDs. And let's be clear, anybody crying about Will Fuller being suspended, he was going to be hurt if he didn't take the peeps. So either way, you weren't going to have him this week. Let's just call it what it is. Uh, <laughs> and he's tied to Sean Watson. I mean, what else could you possibly want? Top five quarterback, plenty of opportunity, literally one rough shot to Brandon Cooks of being the wide receiver one where there is no tight end. The targets are going to be there. The opportunity is going to be there. The possibility of, of breaking a big one is going to be there. And the possibility of being the number one red zone target is his size is going to be there. That's all you need. Even if you don't love the player, you're not going to find that level of opportunity available on the waiver wire this late in the year. It just doesn't happen. This is the gold that you've been waiting for, and this is the guy that I'm absolutely blowing all of my fab on if I have any left because he could be your league winner. My league, my league mix can't do that because I've had culture on the roster. Oh, yeah. I love it. <laughs> now, I'm not saying he's going to be great, but I liked what I saw. And I just based on both Hopkins leaving and the contract situations of the, of the other wide receivers, it was just something I wanted to take a chance on having him on my roster in Dynasty Leagues because, you know, we I, I still give receivers the three-year window, even though, though a lot of people don't based on the earlier progression coming from all the you know the camps and stuff that they, they do even before college but i'm like you know what i i really like what i see on this guy i see that there's got to be some sort of fit at some point if he actually has the skill set he'll get on the field so i i'm with you on on all the stuff you said i really like the small school comment about him being a fifth rounder because that means they definitely had eyes on him and they didn't even think he was going to last past the fifth round so they but based on if other schools or other teams aren't aren't scouting that school as hard you're maybe looking at what 20 other teams you're competing against so they still thought it was it was worthy enough of a fifth round pick so i'm, I'm with you on that what do you guys think about uh, gabriel davis is another one you know just a, like a kind of a dart throw you know pick him up off of waivers for free or cheap uh you know just another one like uh, john brown went down obviously there's more opportunity there and you know i guess at this time of year like you you were saying like we're either going with our studs or we're looking for someone who has new opportunity because we already know it's we're 12 weeks in, like we already know what's going on. We know who's good. We know who's bad. So the only time that we can actually make some kind of new determination is if something new happens. And so, you know, with these guys, they're getting those opportunities. And so, you know, you're able to go out and get them cheap, but do you have any, any thoughts on uh, Davis? Yeah, I like Davis. So the thing about Davis, you hit the nail on the head, right? John Brown, John Brown's health is, directly proportional to Gabriel Davis's output. If John Brown is healthy, you can't put Davis in your lineup. He just can't be there. But if Brown goes down, which he does seemingly every other week, if Brown was to be put on even a three-week IR and those three weeks are 14 to 16, you're golden. I love this type of play. I think now you are almost done with bye weeks. It's so strange we have week 13 
bye weeks, uh, but it's only two teams, the Bucks and the Panthers. So realistically, those bye week plays that you were putting in there, your Danny Amendola's, you know what I mean? The guys you put on your bench because you want those seven points, get rid of them. You don't need yeah. them anymore. There's no more bye weeks. Go for those home run hitters. Another name I'll give you, Gabriel Davis is a good example. Ty Johnson is a guy I've been touting as one of those guys, a burner who could see some opportunity. Um, Gabriel Davis, Isaiah Coulter, like we've touched upon a lot of them. That is what good fantasy players do. You don't get guys that you know are going to be garbage, that are going to be six points. You go for those guys that are one hit, one injury, one positive COVID test this year. I've never said that before, but uh, <laughs> away from being a starter on a potent offense. And, and I'll give you one more name too. Um, I got one as well. Whenever you're done, I got one more too. <laughs> Eno Benjamin. Ooh. Eno Benjamin. Eno Benjamin is so interesting to me for a bunch of reasons. Number one in Dynasty, pick him up. Um, but me and Chase talking to Ray GQ. And what's interesting about Eno is, and I learned this on the podcast, was that he doesn't play special teams. I thought he did. Um, but this is a seven-round pick who has been on the roster the whole time. If you remember pre-draft, pre-combine, people were talking about Eno being a, a second-day pick. And he ended up in a perfect spot. There's really not a hell of a lot in front of him. For all of you Chase Edmonds truthers, I'm sorry, no. Um, just no. <laughs> um, complimentary back, not a starter. Uh, Kenyon Drake, nope, nope. Um, so he's either going to get hurt or leave at the end of the year. Um, but you know, Benjamin's a guy that I'm just sticking on the end of the bench and hoping that lightning strikes. It is literally going to be lightning in a bottle if it happens. Um, but if he gets run, that kid can play. Yeah, he definitely had uh, the workload at Arizona State. It was over oh, multiple years, too, so he proved durability as well as consistency in his production. I, the one I wanted to bring up, though, was Guyton because mm-hmm. he was – obviously, he's got speed, but if you go back and watch some of his film in college, he really was the possession guy a lot of the times because his quarterback wasn't very good. So he ran a lot of the possession or short routes, a lot of the sideline routes where the quarterback's looking for him on third down. I could see an uh, injury to like – I don't – I'm not saying I could see this, but – if Keenan Allen were to get injured or were to have some sort of slowdown, I see Guyton picking up some of that slack because I know he's capable of running those routes. Not mm-hmm. like Keenan. I'm not saying that at all, but um, most teams don't have Keenan Allen, but they still need to have those routes run. As well, he's got the deep uh, speed, so there's the opportunity for him maybe even run some sort of double move, and he might not be getting double coverage, so he might just burn his man or burn just the – maybe the, the, the soft side of his zone and there's not someone behind him and he's giving you a nice 12 point, you know, 12 point play plus whatever else he gets on top of it for the rest of the game. So. No, I yeah, love it. They, and they were so close to uh, having like what a 50, 60 yard touchdown this week. It just mm-hmm. barely missed it. Um, and it, it seems like he gets that one shot every week and, you know, and if it works, then, you know, you're, you're gold. And obviously if it doesn't, it's not great, but I mean, if there's more of this COVID bullshit and everything else, you might need that one shot. You know, you might need that one game. You know, well, and even last week when they were playing the Bills and it was late in the fourth quarter, they they ran the same play twice to Guyton to get the first down. The first time he dropped it, they like it looked like the exact same route, that exact same play, exact same spot on the field. They target him right again. So they have, they have they have trust in him too. Oh yeah, and you're talking about two wide receivers who both have back problems. Uh, both are brittle. Let's face it. Every time Mike Williams high points the ball. 
I think that's the end of his career. Like that dude has never actually bounced up off the turf and signaled first down. Like he gets carried off every other play. Yeah. Uh, and Keenan Allen, we know, has that lower back problem. So yeah, he is an absolute, like the perfect example, like we just talked about, of being one hit, one positive test away from being a key player in a really high-powered offense. I love that call. That's that that's probably the best one I've heard tonight. And that's the crazy thing that we, uh, you know, that we don't normally think about, or you know, at least in previous years, is normally we're not that we're hoping for one, but normally we're having to have an injury for these guys to step up. But this year, you don't have to have that. You know, we saw it. You know, this week, how many people did we lose? Jonathan Taylor, J.K. Dobbins. You know, uh, obviously Mark Ingram. Like uh, all every Ravens player, basically. You know, like and then those guys step up. I mean, we had a freaking wide receiver playing quarterback. You never know. Like just go pick up every player, and then you can. You know, you you might actually have a shot to throw them in like your tight end spot or something at some point. <laughs> I gotta say though, I was disappointed. Race for and didn't get to play quarterback. I was very disappointed. I wanted to see yeah, that, that arm. I wanted him to get a little more run. <laughs> run exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and and uh, going back, I don't know if you uh, saw, but going back to Gabriel Davis, uh, John Brown is on IR, uh, so he is out for the next three weeks at least. Now, now, when did they? When was that act? Was that week twelve or week eleven? They put him on. It was three days ago. So I'm. That was oh shit! Eight. Oh, that's that perfect. Then. No, I guess that was week eleven then, because three days ago would have been Sunday. Yeah, I'm not sure how that works, but yeah, that that should work out perfect for him. Um, the yeah, Bills I mean, though do have a tough schedule. They they are they have a brutal schedule if I remember correctly going into the playoffs. Yeah, it's not great, but you know, like obviously everyone's going to be keying in on Stephon Diggs, and mm -hmm. uh, you know, like not so much on Gabriel Davis. So it it, it still might work out. It's definitely worth a, a free shot or a cheap shot. Oh, absolutely. I, I would I would be paying for Gabriel Davis, knowing now that I didn't even know Brown was on the IR. That that changes everything. Davis is absolutely a pickup at that point. Yeah, definitely. Now, obviously, we were talking about, you know, this weird year in 2020 and COVID and everything else. Oh, actually, hold on real quick. Linda says it's Cole Beasley season, which is probably true, but I, I it's still like Davis as a yeah. pickup. <laughs> I actually hey, wanted to know, say... I think uh, I, I think that uh, Gabriel Davis is more impactful when Beasley's on because the same way with Brown. I, I just think they, that Allen needs that type of receiver for the offense to stay on schedule and him to get downfield. For whatever reason, John Brown was such a safety blanket for him. And then when Buffalo played Arizona, it was Cole Beasley all day. So that might draw more attention to then give um, uh, Davis more one-on-ones or just kind of slip behind the defense and play the sideline routes. So I love this, Tim. I actually went off. I every once in a while I get triggered by things, um, <laughs> and uh, one of the things that triggers me more than anything, and the actual conversation was about Marvin Jones uh, in this particular instance. But so Kenny Galladay goes out, and all of a sudden, Marvin Jones, the wide receiver, one. Now, what I will tell you is, if, if you know anything, anything about football. Um, wide receiver one is not exactly an enviable position. Uh, you're looking at either a shutdown corner, if they have a Jalen Ramsey, if they have a Stephon Gilmore, if they have that level of player, uh, uh, regardless of what happened last night, a, a Slay, for example. You're either looking at that guy or you're looking at bracket coverage over the top safety. So this idea that a person – being the wide receiver one automatically means fantasy gold. If they can't break that coverage, it's actually worse for them. So people don't understand sometimes that 
injuries aren't always the best. And Colby's is a perfect example. When he's going to slide that coverage, when he's going to make people come up, he's going to take people on those underneath routes, and he's going to be targeted 10 to 12 times. That allows one other person to get over top. That freezes the safety for a minute. That gives you that pump and go. That double move, those option routes, that changes the game. So I agree, having somebody crossing the middle, having someone taking those targets, and to even further the point, if Stephon Diggs were to go, oh, Gabriel Davis drops considerably in my rankings because then he's the only guy you have to worry about. That becomes a major issue, right? Because you're not going to use your number one corner on Cole Beasley. That's not how slot receivers work. You're going to use your number one on the, the top outside guy. If Gabriel, if Gabriel Davis became that, he's not good enough to break that coverage. He's just not. So you want Diggs healthy, number one. You want John Brown not healthy because he's taking targets. But Beasley, I like that call too. If he's healthy, I think Gabriel Davis gets helped in that respect because he's getting one-on-one -on, -one on the off corner. Uh, and that's where those guys go off. How about we make everybody happy and Cole Beasley throws another touchdown to Gabriel Davis and then perfect. Perfect. <laughs> but I'm hundred percent with Linda, by the way, Cole Beasley must be the most underrated PPR wide receiver. Um, he is Crowder and Edelman. It's just no one gives him credit for it. Yeah. And he goes across uh, so, the middle. Yep. And the Cowboys just let him walk, you know, just didn't want to give him what, like five mil a year or something like that. I mean, they yeah. didn't want to give him hardly anything. And, you know, now he's, I mean, you can definitely say he's a big part of that offense. Like he might not be, you know, the biggest part or anything, obviously, but he's a big part of that offense and it kind of makes it tick. Instead mm -hmm. of, instead of dollars, can we equate it to Taysom Hill um, uh, ratios? <laughs> he so was one got, third of a Taysom Hill. One third yeah, Taysom he's, Hill. yeah, he's about a third of a, of a Hill, you know, <laughs> not quite that good. <laughs> All right. So speaking of Hill, it's going to bring up a couple other players uh, that are, are kind of on my mind. What the hell do we do with players like Michael Thomas, Zeke, uh, even like DJ Chark, these guys that like, we know they're talented. I don't think anyone actually doubts that, or if they do, guess what? They're an idiot. Uh, but I, you know, it's just, there's a lot going on. You know, they bit, uh, MT and Zeke both lost their quarterbacks. And then obviously you got Zeke going, uh, yeah, even Kamara Lind is talking about, um, you know, there's so many studs now that are kind of falling off and it's not necessarily their faults, but what do we do about them? You know, obviously more so in, in Dynasty, I guess. All right, so Dynasty, let's go down the list you gave. DJ Chark is probably the number one buy in Dynasty. Uh, they are going to get a quarterback. Uh, yeah. They're going to use one of their – they're either going to get Lawrence or Fields most likely. Uh, so I love DJ Chark as an absolute dynasty buy. He's cheaper than he should be right now and will be a wide receiver one in dynasty next year. Uh, I have no doubt about that in my mind. Zeke is the interesting one. Um, I, I'm trying to think of how far down I have Zeke. Uh, Antonio Gibson's a guy we brought up earlier. If you can get Antonio Gibson plus for Zeke, do it. I would probably make the trade straight up. But my guess, you could probably get a second in that deal. Make that deal. Make it happen. Deep draft this year. Go ahead and do that deal. Um, excuse me. James Robinson and Zeke is about where I feel you have the 50-50 split. And let me tell you why. Um, Dallas is going to re-sign Dak Prescott. I, I've never been more certain about anything in my life than Dallas is going to sign Prescott. Um, Cooper's going to walk. But you have how much money tied into Zeke and Prescott. And as we just talked about with Cincinnati being on a rookie 
quarterback contract, having money for offensive linemen. Dallas does not. So their big problem right now is offensive line, and they're not going to have the money to do it. That's not going to be their focus in the offseason. So if you think of the polar opposite of what I said about the Cincinnati Bengals, that's the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> they're going to sign their quarterback, and Zeke is going to get blown up in the backfield every play. Their problem is their offensive line is both garbage and brittle. That That's really the real issue, right? They get hurt and they're not blocking the way they're supposed to. Add in the fact that Tony Pollard has worked his way into this offense. Now, I want to give you guys my theory. Ready? You want to hear it? You want to hear my theory? Let's hear it. Cool, cool, cool. Because uh, the theory is actually developed because of CEH. Um, okay. Everyone told me CEH is going to the best offense. Therefore, he is the best running back. Did you guys hear that in the offseason? That CEH is the best running back. So he goes to the best offense, right? Once or twice. I ignored it, <laughs> but yeah. I didn't hear it. <laughs> A few people said that. Now, here's the thing, right? What's weird to me is when you look at the number one running backs in history, what do they all have in common? Is it in, that they're in the best offense? I think that it has to do with – My opinion would be feet. I, I always look at running backs' feet. I think you can so, see a lot from that. Oh, no, I agree when you look at physical traits. What I'm saying is when I look at the offense, what I'm looking for is are they the best player in their offense? Are they the ones that people worry about? Now, when you play the Kansas City Chiefs, who do you worry about? Do you worry about CEH or do you worry about Pat Mahomes? Tyreek Hill? (laughs) Tyreek Hill, Pat Mahomes, yeah, Travis Kelsey. CEH is not even the third option on his own team. That's a problem for me. Uh, Zeke Elliott, that's Dak Prescott's team. If anyone has any doubt about that since Prescott got goes down, please watch a little more football because you're wrong. Um, <laughs> that's Dak Prescott's football team. So what I'm looking for when I'm looking for a running back is are they the best player in their offense? Are they the focal point? Um, Antonio Gibson does not have a stud quarterback. We're talking Alex Smith, right? You can argue Terry McLaurin, but I would say Antonio Gibson is the feature point of that offense going forward. I think that's where I'm looking to buy into. Saquon Barkley is the feature point of the New York Giants. Christian McCaffrey is the feature point of the Carolina Panthers. LaDainian Tomlinson was the feature point of the San Diego Chargers. I could do this all day. <laughs> Emmett Smith was the feature point of the Dallas Cowboys. That is what you're looking for. I'm not looking for a high-volume pass offense where the running back touches the ball. I'm looking for a guy who is going to get the guaranteed 20 to 30 touches no matter what the game script is, no matter how far we go down. That is why I'm off on Zeke because the Dallas Cowboys are now Dak Prescott's team, and Zeke was eating when Dak Prescott was learning. And now I think Prescott becomes that all pro and I think Zeke suffers for it. And I think that um, Tony Pollard is a better complimentary back to Dak Prescott. And I think that's what they have to do to change the offense. That's how you get out of the situation. You're in. It's kind that of crazy. Really long Sorry. About no, that. it's, it's fine, but it's kind of crazy when we think about, you know, the, the Cowboys and bad offensive line, you know, it just, it doesn't sound right, but you know, I think, I think we're going into maybe a, a small period of time at the very least where it will be that way, you know, cause I don't know how, like you said that they're already in cap trouble and everything, even though I say teams are in cap trouble and then, you know, the, the saints re-sign Alvin Kamara to this major deal. And it's like, <laughs> All right, the the cap isn't real, but you know, like it's clearly not real. Like they were already negative for this upcoming year, and yet they went and paid a guy, you know, ninety million dollars or whatever they paid him. It's like that that doesn't work. But 
you know, needless to say, I, I don't think they're going to be adding too many, you know, big free agent off, uh, you know, draft or linemen. Thank you. And then, you know, maybe in the draft, you know, they might be able to get somebody, but uh, I'm pretty sure they're going to probably be going after. I mean, I guess they could go after an O lineman, you know, where wherever they end up. Uh, they'll probably will be pretty early. Obviously, they're not going to be going for a quarterback, I would assume, if they are re-signing Dax, so they don't have to worry about that. But even then, you know, one offensive lineman coming in, a rookie, you know, doesn't always make or, or break the team or anything, you know? Yeah, and they're not high enough for like a penny soul. They're not high enough for a real difference maker, uh, which becomes the problem. Yeah, definitely. So how are you feeling? Obviously, we know that Breeze is or we're assuming that Breeze is coming back for the playoffs, mm-hmm. um, assuming that they make it, which they, they probably should. But uh, how are you feeling with the whole Michael Thomas situation? Because this is kind of the future. This is what, uh, you know, this is what Sean Payton wants. He wants Taysom Hill to be his quarterback of the future. And so if this is uh, what we're looking for next year, then uh, what are you thinking? You're too late. Um, you're too late on Michael Thomas, <laughs> plain and simple. Uh, just own it now. Michael Thomas is a talented dude, but he is not a physical freak. He's not a DK Metcalf. He's not an AJ Brown. He's not a Calvin Johnson. He needs the volume and he needs the accuracy. He's a slant guy. It's what he is. Um, I think people are too harsh on him. Michael Thomas is a very good wide receiver. Don't, don't get that twisted. Uh, but you're too late to get that King's ransom that you could have gotten in the offseason. It's already over. So if you have Michael Thomas, just hold him because you're not going to get anything else right now. Yeah, I definitely agree with that one. Uh, you know, it really sucks. But, you know, like you said, I don't think Michael Thomas is that overly special route runner or, you know, like he doesn't have that game breaking speed or anything. He does have some amazing hands. Uh, I don't think anyone could deny that. But, you know, in, in the NFL, you really need more than hands, <laughs> you know, and you, you got to have a quarterback that's going to get you the ball on a consistent basis. And that's not going to be Taysom Hill. Um, do you think that Taysom is going to be the quarterback of the future? Or do you think yeah. you know, they're going to you do really? OK, yeah, they spent too much. So there's no doubt about it. Um, I think he's going to be the guy for at least the next year. I don't really disagree. I mean, like you said, they, they gave him, what, 21 million dollars, I think 16 mil guaranteed. And, mm-hmm. you know money talks in the NFL and you know, people are like, Oh, it's just backup. But I mean, there's no other backups getting paid like that. Uh, I think Marcus Mariota is the only one that's getting paid anywhere close to that. So, you know, money talks. (laughs) No doubt. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think we uh, basically covered out all the players that I want to talk about, unless you guys had any more like big buys for, for 2021 or for the future that you can think of. I actually wanted to know. Uh, I had a question. I wanted mm-hmm. to know what you would you would would uh, say is the biggest thing you've either learned this year or last year um, from uh, in terms of fantasy. Just a, a shift in paradigm, a shift in player um, perspective. Uh, what 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 would you say is the biggest contributor to like your next step in development in, in uh, dynasty or fantasy? Sure. So let's talk Dynasty. The number one advice I will give you in Dynasty football is very simple. Uh, Draft running backs and then trade them for wide receivers. Running backs hit earlier. They hit heavier. They hit bigger. So when you look at a CeeDee Lamb, for example, CeeDee Lamb is probably the most talented 
person in this past draft. Like he's probably the most talented player in this past draft. It'd be hard to argue against it as much as I love DeAndre Swift. CeeDee Lamb's that dude, right? But there's two things. Number one, it takes wide receivers a little more. Number two, like we talked about, the focus that you have on a player, uh, there's multiple wide receivers on the field. Number three, tied to your quarterback. So a Dak Prescott injury automatically depresses the value of C.D. Lamb. So always draft running backs and then trade them for wide receivers. That would be the number one advice I would give anybody is if you're on the fence, take the running back and then make the swap. You can always get a CD lamb plus for CDH. So make that move immediately. That is the number one thing I've learned. I I, I want to give credit to the first time I saw that tweet. I don't remember if it was Jax Falcone, but it was somebody that tweeted that out that I was like, holy shit, that makes so much sense. Like DJ Moore the year before, like you saw him coming as a stud, but it took him a little while to get there, and you could have gotten him for even a Ronald Jones for a little while there, right? So if you're playing Dynasty, draft running backs. And I'm going to tell you, Kyle Pitts is coming out this year. I've tweeted this out multiple times. Let somebody else take him <laughs> and then trade for him week 10. Um, and, then, and then draft Kenny Gainwell in the second round. Exactly. Kenny Gainwell, no doubt. If you get him in the second round, great for you. Um, do that. Uh, but all of these wide receivers, all these running backs coming out, uh, I will tell you right now that the perfect thing for me would be if I have a top four pick, I'm going to draft Travis Etienne, and I'm going to trade him for Kyle Pitts in a first or a second, and I'm literally going to be counting my money to the bank. I'm going to take a, <laughs> a decent NFL running back in an Etienne and flip him for a stud possibly the stud tight end that we've ever seen in our in our time playing fantasy football, um, that's the move you make. So if you're sitting there saying, I love Kyle Pitts, I love Kyle Pitts, I'm there at number four, Etienne or Kyle Pitts, Kyle Pitts is the better player, Etienne's the better pick, and that will never fail you in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. And even we've seen with running backs, even if they don't produce, they don't lose that value. So, I mean, even, you know, obviously – we, we want them to produce very quickly and everything, but we, we've we seen so many times that, you know, even like a David Montgomery from, you know, last year, he didn't do anything special, and yet he he still was, like, considered running back 24, you know, wherever he, he was, and that's kind of what he was, uh, it's kind of what he's been, and it kind of worked out, but they just don't have that drop-off, whereas with wide receivers, if they don't produce in that first year, they drop off so much. One of the biggest things that I've learned, and I try to, I, I'm still, it's still a work in progress. But I'm trying my best to get better at it is, uh, is realizing that bad players, bad NFL players can still be good fantasy football producers and like players that I don't necessarily believe in can still actually produce in fantasy football. And, you know, sometimes the bad players actually get even more opportunities to produce in football, especially when it comes to like bad quarterbacks and stuff like that, because they end up throwing the ball so much like a Jameis Winston, like a Daniel Jones, like, you know, players like that, they, they, they create more opportunities for themselves by throwing more picks and fumbles and, and everything else. And, you know, it's, it's not just those two players, obviously, but, uh, you know, I just, I've had to come to terms with that. I've always wanted to, to play or, you know, pick up the players that I want to watch and, and enjoy. And that's great. But sometimes you still have to just get over the fact that like, I don't want to watch this guy. I don't think this guy's very good. Like I was talking about with the Brady thing, 
you know, before I, I'm watching Brady and man, that, that man is washed, but he scored 29 points this week. You know, that's, uh, <laughs> that's all that really matters in fantasy football. <laughs> that was literally my biggest stumbling block and probably still is. I like to pick players that I like or players that I think are going to be good, not players that I think are going to score points. So that's where I have to get over. Cause I'm with you. I, I, there are players. I'm like, this guy sucks. Like I don't want to play him, and then you know he's going to put up points anyway. That's like the weirdest thing, isn't it? That you build on tight ends and stuff. Uh, excuse me, on wide receivers, but then you realize like kind of where the points are, and they they're flukes, right? A guy falls into the end zone. Like Dave Montgomery this past week was the perfect example of that. I hate Dave Montgomery, the player. <laughs> but how do you get away from him, the Green Bay Packers, with that type of volume, right? You don't, yep. <laughs> especially against the Packers' run defense. Literally play anyone against the Packers run defense. Exactly. <laughs> so I mean, what look about you guys? I mean, I want to learn too. Tell me, guys, what what what's the biggest thing with Dynasty that you guys have learned so far? Well, you know, like like I said, you know, doing the uh, playing players that you don't necessarily love, you don't think that you know are, are great. Obviously, that's a big one for me. Uh, but you know, I think the other thing is I've I've been very quick in the past to kind of write off some of these like fringe guys, these fifth round picks, like we're talking about with Gabriel Davis and Isaiah Coulter and, and, and players like that. Uh, I've been kind of quick to write them off just because of the, the draft capital and not necessarily look at their profile or watch the film. You know, when it, in uh, Tim's case, you know, I don't watch as much film, but uh, especially with college, but you know, in the NFL, I'm definitely getting more into it, but you know, I, I'm kind of learning now you, you have to be able to watch, you have to be able to look deeper into those players. Cause you start looking at it and you know, now that I'm, I'm picking up on these players and I'm like, man, I missed that. And then I go back and look at the profiles and I'm like, what did I miss? And now I, I see it. Oh, yep. That's one thing that I really like about a player, you know, regardless of what it is, you can see that. And I may have looked past it because it was a fifth round pick because it was a sixth round pick or an undrafted free agent, James Robinson. I mean, it, obviously it wasn't just me. It was literally anyone and everyone, except for that one guy that was, you know, probably like, you know, watched him in college or something. But other than that, it was, you know, it, every, everyone just was like, ah, you know, it's James Robinson. Who cares? I had a guy ask me before the season started when they cut Leonard Fournette, he said, and, and this was for, for redraft purposes, but he asked me like, who should I pick up? Uh, I have Fournette. They just cut him, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, should I pick up a Zigbo or should I pick up Robinson? And I said, well, I'm looking at Robinson's profile and it looks good, but he has no draft capital, you know, no guarantees of anything. I said, you know, I'd probably lean a Zigbo or, you know, or Chris Thompson. And then of course, you know, the rest is history. So <laughs> just trying not to like, you know, when you look at that profile and you see that, it, you know, it's a player that you actually like it, just get him on your team. You know, if it if it doesn't play out, if it doesn't work out, that's fine. That's actually better for you because either he's going to work out or he's not. And then you drop him, you move on to the next player rather than holding a player for six years or, you know, whatever. So what I find so interesting about that is you look at like James Robinson, right? And uh, I had some friends turn me on to him. Uh, Jay Lefko, NFL, you want to check him out in gymnastic. They were the two that I know were like pounding the table, James Robinson. So I grabbed him more to say, Hey, I got your guy, like support my friends, whatever. <laughs> right. But there's always the flip side. And we talked about him earlier, which is like the Mike Isecki, right? Spark scores through the roof. 
Uh, everything on player profiler is like up as high as you can get. Fucking dude can't play football. Um, you know, can, can, can run like the wind. Uh, but it was funny because we were doing that. Did you see that whole trend about like, I have a joke about so-and-so. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, my, I have a joke about Mike Gusecki, but it sucks. And, um, <laughs> you know, one guy wrote, well, maybe you're not utilizing the joke properly, which was a fun comeback. Right. Yeah. that was. A good and one. I said, Oh, do you think I should drop that joke? Just like the first tackler does to Gusecki every fucking play. Um, because the man has <laughs> not broken a tackle in the NFL. I'm not sure a single one yet. This is a big dude, a fast yeah. guy who can't make somebody miss. So all of the metrics look good, uh, just like they did with Tavon Austin, just like they've done, uh, you know, with, uh, I'm trying to think here, who was, uh, why am I drawing a blank here? John Ross. Um, the guy from the <laughs> Titans. Remember the one? John Ross was definitely one of them. Uh, Darius Hayward Bay. Travis like, Henry was yeah. one of them. No, I'm thinking the wide receiver. Three names. Why am I trying to blank? Tyrone Calico? No. About? No, who was the guy who got in trouble? Uh, I'll think about it. Damn, it wasn't Beckham. It was, <laughs> My mind just went blank. Oh, too. Dorial yeah. Green Beckham, yeah. Dorial Green Beckham. That was That's it. What yeah. it was. Another yeah. guy. Yep. Spark scored through the roof. Couldn't play football. Yep. So you really watch a, walk a fine line of, hey, these guys' numbers look good. The metrics look good. You walk that fine line of holding on too long or missing out on a guy. I mean, that is honestly, that's what dynasty adds up to, isn't it? Like a flip of a coin one way or the other, either they become James Robinson where the, the measurables look good. And, you know, the guys didn't have any combines because we were in quarantine and Jacksonville comes out and all of a sudden says he was their number one running back on the board. Or you hold a Doriel Green Beckham for six years and the guy doesn't do a damn thing, right? Like it's it's really hard to figure that part out. Or you have uh, Devontae Parker, who doesn't do dick for four years, and then all of a sudden's a wide receiver one out of nowhere. Um, that's the tough part. Like, and I haven't. I'll be honest, I haven't figured that out yet. To be blunt, like it's it's been more luck than skill for me at this point. I think some of it though has to do with college profiles and their even their makeup. Like Green Beckham was a knucklehead. And I, I think sometimes when you reveal yourself to be one thing, you are that thing and you can't change it. Even if you try, there's just certain things that, and for certain people, they just cannot get out of their own way. And I think that for Green Beckham, that was one of the things because he, I don't think he just ever focused on football just be, to become the best football player he ever could be. It was always transferring or this or that, or, oh, I don't want to block. So I'm getting taken off the field, you know, things like that. So I, I just feel like there's things that, that like, I was a big Chad Kelly guy. I loved Chad Kelly, but Chad Kelly proved he can't get out of his own way. Yep. So, yeah, definitely. But you know, that's why I like to look a, a lot deeper. You know, the, you were talking about player profiler, you know, it's, it's a great site. You know, there's a lot of info there, but you know, I think people get kind of caught up with the, the graphs and the bar charts and all that kind of stuff. And it's, it, you know, like there's so much more to it and, and it's still on the site. You just have to look a little deeper, you mm -hmm. know, and, and um, you know, the problem is that, you know, like that 40 time isn't it, you know, like that's, <laughs> that, that doesn't, that doesn't mean shit. Yeah. I want to uh, say you know, one thing you, for everyone listening, 40 time for wide receiver does not matter ever. <laughs> does not matter. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, but you know you look deeper at uh, go, Green Linda, Beckham's. You, Love it. <laughs> you look deeper at uh, Green Beckham's profile, and you see he had like fourteen hundred yards total his entire time in you know in college. I mean that was only in two years, but 
you know, still he only had 1400 yards, you know, like mm-hmm. that's, that's a raw prospect. And yeah, he could have become something, but you know, you can't expect him just because he has a fast 40 time. And that's what I'm saying. Like you looking more deeply into the profile is definitely one of the things that I've, that I've learned. And it's not just the 40 times and, you know, like the little bar charts and all that crap. <laughs> yeah. Can they play football is kind of important. <laughs> you know, yeah. are you a football I think, player? I think I've figured that out. So rarely from the wide receiver position is it one with pure speed. I I look at a lot of it as being you have to be um, you have to create space in a phone booth because that's Mm -hmm. where the that's where the windows are. You're not going to be, you know, half a yard this way, half a yard that way open most of the time. It's what subtly is going to do. How can I dominate this guy mentally where he's thinking I'm doing one thing? I'm going to be doing another. So how am I going to set him up this entire game for one route? Like tell the the Raiders that because they would have been better (laughs) off listening to you at this point. Oh, my God. Well, see, and I actually like rugs. I think Ruggs is actually way more valuable as a um, – uh, what, what did I say before? I'm trying to think. But just as a, a, an overall contributor to their, to their offensive <laughs> game plan instead of mm-hmm. just him being a dominant wide receiver because he can do many things. I don't think they're using him properly either. I think they need to actually run him underneath more often, a lot yeah. more like how early Tyree Kill was used. Oh, I, I agree. I, I think that Henry Ruggs is getting devalued because of Darius Haywood Bay. As weird as that sounds – it's just a statement of fact. Like everyone thinks, oh, it's a fast guy that the Raiders picked, so he's going to suck. Ruggs is a good wide receiver. They're just running fly routes with them. And I don't care how fast you are. Fly routes every time don't work. Like you said, you want to set that up, but you can't run it every time. If they know it's coming, it just won't work. I don't care how talented you are. Uh, so that's what's happening with Ruggs right now. I do think Ruggs will turn it around. But I think that the fantasy community is devaluing him because he's a speed guy that went to the Raiders. If he'd gone to any other team, people would be giving him the benefit of the doubt. He'd be Jalen Rager, right? Who everyone's like, oh, Rager will come. Rager can't catch a football, but I guess people give him the benefit of the doubt. Uh, but Henry Ruggs would be of that ilk where people are like, oh, he'll he'll catch on. But just because he's on the Raiders, he's getting devalued, which is a perfect buy opportunity, in my opinion. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, that's actually two players that I can think of is Ruggs and Edwards you know, on the same team. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I'd be buying up both of them because, I mean, I know people people probably invested a little more, he- obviously invested heavily, more heavily into Ruggs. But, um, you know, I, I have a feeling that especially if he doesn't do much for the rest of the season, that you're going to be able to get him pretty damn cheap in the offseason, especially as those picks start flowing and everything in the draft and all of a sudden you throw a second at somebody like a late second or something. And they're like, Oh yeah, I could get this guy. And you're like, okay, I'll take rugs off your hands. Definitely a good buy opportunity. But Tim, we, we both gave uh, you know, Mike and I both gave our, our strategy or what we've learned and, and everything, but we need to hear from you, buddy. Well, besides not picking like your favorite players, I actually, I, I did a lot of thought about this. Um, this last offseason, and I think the majority of tight ends, when they flash, you should sell them either in that ending of the season or uh, before the next season starts. I actually really thought about doing this with Mark Andrews in the league because I've got it behind. Uh, I just, I'm not saying he can't recover, and I'm not saying he's not worth um, being a top seven tight end because I believe he totally is, especially most weeks because just based on the idea of having consistent production where you're getting a floor of tight end, you know, 12, but you're getting a ceiling of tight end one, which is kind of nice to know when you, there's so many teams that don't have that. But uh, I just think that cycling through the majority of tight ends that, that pop or flash is worthwhile to either get picks or receivers 
And I just think that there's such a finite amount of running backs a lot of times. This year's completely different. And I know that we'll always have the waiver wire targets, that those positions are worth way more to actually have capital invested and then turn over the tight ends and then find um, maybe two or three that you'd like to add to, to take a chance on. I just, I, I don't know. I, the more I'm looking at it, the more I think that that's the way to go just to, to flip the value and then find more of it later. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, bringing it back to Kaseki, think about it. he was uh, he was being considered like a top six tight end at one point. And I mean, think about what you could have gotten for him then. And even this year with the start that Johnny Smith had now, it would have been tough to, you know, go away from that, you know, and, and trade that away. But obviously looking at it now, it would have been the smartest choice if you had, you know, traded him away after like week three and gotten a running back, gotten a wide receiver, or, you know, like added something on and gotten another quarterback or whatever it is in a super flex league, you know, that would have been the smart choice because now he's basically valueless or, you know, pretty damn close to it. So, and sometimes you'll be, be able, sometimes you'll be able to use the ancillary parts of that deal that you traded him away for to trade him for back for him right now. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah actually, I love that, you know, and I, it's not really something that I've done um, just because, you feel like you feel like you've hit you know hit the lottery hit the jackpot when you actually get a tight end that produces like right now I have Robert Tunyon and you know he's not like doing any he's not blowing up he's not being amazing besides that one three touchdown game but he's producing and so I feel like oh man I you know I actually have a tight end that's producing but you know maybe you know maybe when you get that guy you just need to say screw it you know and I'll just get you know trade him away and then you know like I'll just I'll throw the next dart and hope for the next one to pop up. And they always do. They're just not always, you know, consistent with it. And it's even harder in tight end premium leagues to be like, I got to get rid of this guy or should move this guy because you're getting that extra little bonus. So. No, I love it. I I absolutely love it. And that's the thing, right? Tight ends is so top heavy. Otherwise it's literally week to week matchup plays. So. Yeah, that was actually one of the the biggest hits that I had this offseason was uh, everyone kept asking me, like, you know, what should I do with this tight end? I said, trade him for Kelsey. What should I do for this tight end? Trade him for Kelsey. And they're like, (laughs) but what about Mark Andrews? Trade him for Kelsey. (laughs) And, uh, and, you know, people were giving me a lot of shit for it. And But I was like, but you can, especially with, like, Andrews and Kittle, like, with those guys, you can get quite a bit back sometimes because people are so ageist and everything. And I'm like, so you're actually getting Kelsey, the better tight end, and then you're getting something on top of it, you know, it's like, uh, it, it, it just kind of, and then, you know, I, I guess maybe I couldn't have expected the year that he's having cause it's you know pretty damn nice. But, uh, yeah, I definitely, I definitely was loving me some Kelsey and it's, it's paid off for sure. <laughs> I got, a guy got really mad at me when I told him to trade Andrews for Hawkinson Ooh. and he kept saying, but, but red zone targets. I'm like, well, Hawkinson has more. He's like touchdowns. I'm like, yeah, Hawkinson has more. I'm like, dude, come on. <laughs> I was like, you do realize Hawkinson was the better prospect by a considerable amount. Like it wasn't it wasn't like, oh, Andrews and Hawkinson, which one? No, it was – I'm like, so it was literally the same thing with Kelsey. I was just like trading for Hawkinson. If it's not Travis Kelsey and you're in Dynasty, you should be trading your tight end for TJ Hawkinson. I mean, it, it's very simple for me. Um, even Kittle. I know people are going to lose their minds. George Kittle <laughs> – is the best NFL tight end. The best NFL tight end. Uh, unbelievable blocker. He's basically an extra offensive lineman. Uh, fantasy, give me Hawkinson, without question. I think it's very yeah. under. I think it's underrated the um, amount of hits he takes too while blocking. Mm-hmm. That's that's a lot of physical toll. 
So. Oh, yeah. People think it's a surprise he got hurt. No, George Kittle is physical as all get out. Of course he's going to get hurt. He is initiating contact on every single play. He is tied to a somewhat garbage quarterback situation. They are going to get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be the starting. Here you go. Here's your here's your soundbite. Jim Garoppolo is starting for the New England Patriots week one of 2021. Oh, that would be so <laughs> funny. That'd be so funny. It's happening. Um, so when Garoppolo goes to the Patriots, Nick Mullins isn't really a thing. Um, he's fine, but is that who you want to be tied to for your number one asset? George Kittle, even with the injury, still has so much name value. He is my number one trade. Get rid of him because everyone's panicking about tight end. Trade them George Kittle for a King's Ransom before he comes back and screws it up. Uh, Crescent, I, I don't know if I'm allowed to bring up old co-host or ex-co-host, uh, but you know, he, but here's Crescent in the chat. He's talking about Kirk Cousins going to the Niners. Um, I mean, I, they just re-signed Cousins, didn't they, uh, to like a, a three-year deal? So if I'm not mistaken, Cousins has a massive cap hit. Massive. If I'm not mistaken, I, I would check that out, but I don't think they can get rid of Cousins this year, and I can't imagine the Niners trading for him. That would be... That would be borderline shocking to me if that happens. Now, Jameis Winston to the 49ers is a possibility. I always like the idea of Matt Ryan, but I don't know his contract situation. Matt Ryan, I want to say, is another one that's a one-more-year kind of poison pill deal. Um, I think Matt Ryan is very similar to the Rodgers deal where they can get out of it in two years. Now, not that they would want to in Green Bay now, but when there was speculation about Jordan Love. I want to say it's 2022 that Matt Ryan becomes viable. Um, I'm not positive on those cap numbers, but I believe the reason you didn't see him go at the trade deadline is because there's a massive dead cap hit. When you look at the Patriots, they're paying, what, I think $30 million to the cap for Tom Brady this year, um, and then they're free and clear next year. I think that's the similar thing with Matt Ryan. I it's think that's po- yeah. It's post-2022. The, right. the the dead cap drops eighteen million from twenty twenty two to twenty twenty three. That's what I thought. Yeah, so that's when you have the ability to move a guy. So I think we're a year out. I think Cousins to the Niners would be sweet as hell. To be quite honest, I think Ayuk and Samuel would make Cousins a Pro Bowler. Yeah, I could definitely see that. But you know, like you were saying with Kittle, you know, he does still have that value, and you can get Hawkinson plus plus sometimes even mm-hmm. for you know for Kittle. And, uh, you know, bringing it back to Crescent, we, you know, we were on Hawkinson basically like all off season. Like he, that was one of our biggest targets as well. You know, if it wasn't Kelsey, it was basically Hawkinson. And, you know, I just, I loved him and we ended up drafting him in Scott Fishbowl as well. And uh, it was working out pretty well for a while, but then, you know, we lost Dak, we lost uh, Mixon, we lost, um, I'm trying to, we lost a couple other players that, uh, Crescent's the one that really runs the team, so he'd probably know better than I. But <laughs> uh, we we still had a good chance. We scored the second most points in the league, or at least we were second most points in the league uh, as of like last week. Uh, oh, but now it seems like we're not actually going to make the playoffs. So <laughs> yeah. it, it's uh, one not, of those years where you good. you were healthy or you weren't in the fishbowl. Like and I don't want to take skill out of it. Obviously, there's some people that made some really nice picks. Some of these zero running back teams that paid out. I mean, congratulations. That's fucking awesome. Um, but for those kind of, did I just miss or did I just make it or you injured is really what it came down to this year in a lot of different ways. Yeah. We just had some bad luck. I mean, like I said, we scored the second most points or, you know, up until that point we had, so it was more bad luck than anything with some of the injuries and everything. But, uh, also 
I, I told Crescent to put in a, a bid on a player and I forget who it was. And, and then I asked him a couple days later, like, Hey, did you you know put the bid in on that guy? And he was like, I don't really know how to run MFL and like all this. So I was like, Oh no, Crescent, <laughs> you're killing me. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> hey, but I think we've kept you long enough. Uh, you know, I really appreciate you coming on. It was, it was a lot of fun. I, I hope we can do this, uh, uh, definitely in the future again. Obviously, we'll be uh, looking for your your Sunday retweet hour. You know, oh, uh, hold on, Crescent's saying that it didn't make an impact. Though <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know about that. I I, I don't know. I like it. Oh, you know, who it was it? It wasn't it wasn't a huge guy. Now that I think of it, but it was uh, Trey Burton, and yep. you know that uh, I, I don't who know if it would have made. Yeah, I mean, exactly. It would have helped this week. There was a couple weeks that it would have helped. He he had some you know a couple big weeks. And I just I remember telling him to put in for him, and and I don't I don't think he I don't think he remembered to or, or something like that. But I don't know. He he pays attention to it. I don't. So maybe it wouldn't have made, mattered anyway. <laughs> but yeah, like I said, you know, we'll, we'll definitely be keeping an eye out for the retweets, and uh, you know, love all the the love you're showing everybody. It's really cool. I, I really do appreciate it all. But it was it was so much fun, uh, Timmy. What do you got to say? It's your, your your first your first official pod. Uh, why don't you take us out? Uh, I don't even know how to do an outro right now. I would say <laughs> it was a great time tonight. Hopefully, we get to do it again. Um, it's always good talking football with people that want to participate, and it's nice always having the comments from the live section too. So, I'd like to thank you all for joining us, and uh, have a good night. Absolutely, guys. We'll see you next time. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thank you.